0: you're listening to detroit today on 1019 WDET. i'm stephen henderson and as always thanks for tuning in if i asked you to picture in your mind what a tv news anchor or reporter looks like what's the image that immediately pops into your head maybe it's walter cronkite or katie Couric, maybe it's even ron burgundy In 2018, it might be the image of a man or a woman, someone who's white, black, Hispanic, or Asian, young or old. But the one thing that that image probably doesn't include would be a hijab. That's because there has never been a full-time broadcast TV reporter in America that has worn a hijab on the air before. That is, until now. Last month... Tahereh Rahman became the first person to do just that. She's a reporter and producer for WHBF-TV in Rock Island, Illinois. She joins us now to talk about her path to becoming an on-screen reporter and what it means for her to have broken this barrier in television journalism. Tehara Rahman, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Yes. Uh, so talk about your desire to be an on-screen TV reporter and what you're career looked like up to this point, and and at what point your wearing of the hijab became an issue?
1: Um, Well, I was interested in journalism from a young age, from, I would say, elementary. It started kind of as a a post-9-11 era child, as an American Muslim child, to be specific. Mm -hmm. I dealt with that tragedy in many different ways, and I had a lot of different reactions, and... Obviously, the first is shock and sadness, but also in the coming weeks and months afterwards, I saw a lot of times it felt what it felt like to a nine-year-old me, um, an inaccurate and scary representation of people who look like me yeah. and my family members. Um, and so from a very early age, I set out. I, I knew I wanted to do something that would help push back on those perceptions, those negative misconceptions. Um and so I started exploring um, journalism and law. I don't know how these dichotomies work in like a nine-year-old brain, but I thought those are the only two things I could do. And um, I eventually pursued journalism. I was really into writing and everything like that. And in college um, is when I took a bro- my first broadcasting class at Loyola University, and I fell in love with it. I just I had already been doing print journalism up until that point, mm-hmm. and the fact that in video you could use sound and video and you were in the field and you got to use sound from the person whose story you were telling. It was like a mashup of your words and their words. I love that. Um, so that's kind of when I realized also that there wasn't anyone who looked like me on TV (laughs) here at least. And it might not be easy. I mean, I consulted a lot of my professors, um, producers who I worked with as an intern, um, and one of them even told me, they said, if you got your dream job offer, but they asked you to take off your hijab, would you do it? And I immediately said no, and he was great about it. I mean, he said, I respect that decision, and I fully support you, but get ready for a lot of no's. Yeah. So that so, was kind of my wake-up call. That was just a few months before graduation, and I knew that it wasn't going to be easy. And I really appreciate that because I I think it really helped me brace myself. To be for, prepared, sure. Exactly. Uh, for uh, the, like, million-and-one no's that I did end up getting.
0: So, right. I mean, uh, did, did you end up getting no's from people saying, mm, we, we think you're talented, we think you'd be good at the job, but we can't have you on camera wearing a hijab?
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think um, in a politically correct world, that's not something that you say explicitly. Well,
0: <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> but,
1: but you know, but that is something, you know, there are terms that you learn as a minority growing up mm-hmm. that indicate those things like we decided to go a different direction. Yes. Um, and one of the <laughs> biggest ones was when I did interview with a station in Minot, North Dakota, actually, for a reporting position. Um, and I was one of the final two candidates, and the news director ended up calling me, saying those exact words. I'm sorry, this went way above my head, but we decided to go a different direction. I wanted to let you know what a good candidate you are, and to not give up. Right. And um, it's crazy because actually, since my story hit a few weeks ago, she messaged me on Facebook, the very same news director, and uh, she told me it makes me sick to my stomach still to think about how I had to reject you uh, based on qualities that I didn't think that were relevant to the job. I thought you were the most well-spoken and best candidate for the job, but because of, you know, men in suits, I had to say no. Right. And I feel comfortable telling you that now because I'm no longer at that station. So, hmm. I mean, I think it's... it's I mean, it was, a, it was wonderful for her to even reach out and tell me that. Yeah. But those are the kinds of things that... Um, you get, I guess, when, you, uh, when you're when you applying for jobs, especially as a TV reporter.
0: Sure, sure. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Tahira Rachman. She is a reporter and producer for WHBF Television in Rock Island, Illinois. She's the first full-time TV reporter to wear a hijab On air. We are talking about the idea of breaking those kinds of barriers in 2018, the idea of inclusivity and what it means in places like television newsrooms, uh, radio newsrooms, newspaper newsrooms aren't any different. Uh, Are we in a better space today where more kinds of diversity, where true reflections of that kind of diversity are okay on air? Uh, Tara, I want to ask you about the conversations you had with your current bosses and how they were different, I guess, than some of the other conversations you had with people who were obviously not okay with this. Uh, What, what did they say? And did they try to prepare you for what the reaction might be among viewers?
1: Absolutely. Um, I don't think any of us were naive. We were optimistic that, the reaction would be mostly positive, but um, they did prepare me. And I, I mean, I've been working here behind the scenes for two years almost, mm-hmm. may well be two years. Um, so I think part of, and they knew actually right off the bat when I took the job as a producer in my interview, I said, hey, listen, I want to be a reporter. When a position or two opens up, I'm going to apply if that's okay. And they said, absolutely but you will have to apply like everyone else you'll have to put together a new reel, so a new video resume um, submit your resume through the system and then go through the same um, hiring interviewing process so um, that's what I did actually three times before I got the position and they felt that I was ready to take on that role Um, and so when we finally when they finally told me that I had gotten the position it actually took a few months between then and getting on air just to work out the logistics and make sure that I knew what to do um, in case that I felt that my safety was being threatened, mm-hmm. um, just protocol in general. So luckily I haven't had to use any of that. Thank God. Um, everyone has been amazing. So, I mean, I can't be more
0: grateful. And and the reaction from, from viewers, it hasn't included any sort of, uh, negative pushback
1: there have been for sure mm-hmm. um there are some viewers who have posted to our facebook page you know goodbye local four that's why i'm going to stop watching you and that kind of thing um and then i've gotten personal emails and even on my you know instagram and social media pages so i get that also um but generally the, i mean it's a drop in the bucket i mean that's putting it mildly, I think. It, mm-hmm. I've gotten nothing but positive feedback um, with face-to-face interactions while I'm on stories. Every single day I have to turn something. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. in the field every day and I'm meeting people and they're so gracious and wonderful and a lot of them recognize me in positive ways. Um, so that's been really amazing to see.
0: Yeah, Let's go to Thomas in Detroit. Thomas, welcome to Detroit today.
1: Good morning. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for my uh, taking my call. hmm I am uh, born and raised in uh, Rock Island, Illinois, and I just wanted to uh, give my support for this woman, for what she's accomplished, and uh, in a perfect world, I wish the president would listen to her instead of Fox 2 News (laughs) and John Bolton. That is my...
0: that is my little input. Yeah. No, Thomas, uh, I really appreciate your calling. It's great that you're living here in Detroit, uh, but are from Rock Island, uh, Illinois. Tahara Rockman, I, I, that reminds me, uh, to ask you to sort of describe what the community in Rock Island is like where is that and is this a community where diversity uh, is an issue is it something that uh, is changing or demographics changing what give us a, just a, a little sense of, of where you are
1: sure um, so I I feel like the best way to describe uh, the quad cities is a little big town mm-hmm. so um, you go maybe five or six or seven miles out of downtown Davenport and you'll hit farmland right away. So um, uh, the Quad Cities and Rock Island is part of the Quad Cities. That's a few cities on the Illinois side of the border and then Iowa side of the border. So we encompass, we straddle both states Mm -hmm. Um, and people here are, are wonderful. I mean, my parents, I'm not going to lie. I mean, coming from a Muslim family, I mean, We basically grew up in the Chicago area um, where diversity was not even something that people thought twice about. Mm -hmm. You hop on a bus and you hear like, you know, 12 different languages. Um, So they were a little bit worried about me moving here. But actually, last summer, my mom and my little brother and cousin came to the county fair, Rock Island County Fair. And we stuck out like sore thumbs. Mm -hmm. My mom and I both wore headscarves. And <laughs> we yes. were walking around, but everyone was so nice. And we got, you know, they gave us like free coffee and cheese curds. And we got to see animals. And we're from Chicago, so we don't touch animals generally, especially not farm animals. So it was a really cool experience. And I think that's really indicative of, um, you know, middle America and mm-hmm. just the fact that we are maybe not used to seeing diversity. But we welcome it, and if you're a nice person and I'm a nice person, we're just going to connect. That's the bottom. That's the bottom, the bottom line. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, again, thanks very much for that call, uh, Thomas. Uh, let's go to Bill in Dearborn. Bill, welcome to Detroit today. Thanks. Uh-huh. Go ahead.
1: So my comment is this: What if you called the uh, the hijab a uh, babushka instead of a hijab? Would it be <laughs> less controversial?
0: I, that's an interesting question I'm not sure maybe it, maybe it would be uh, Bill you know uh, Tahara uh, what how much of what you're dealing with do you feel like is about uh, you being Muslim and particularly Muslim as opposed to just being uh, different from uh, from the sort of mainstream religious beliefs there? I mean how much mm-hmm. is is about the potential for anti-muslim? Uh, sentiment to, to sort of come visit with you.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I think that caller, Bill, I believe his name was, I think he's right. I mean, I think that's a good question. If it's called a babushka, maybe it wouldn't be as politicized <laughs> because um, the hijab has become a symbol, not only of my religion, but. A political symbol. When people see this, they a lot of different things come to mind, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of them are misconceptions. And I think that a lot of where these problems and these misconceptions stem from is just the fact that a lot of times we're not very accessible. We, as in American Muslims, and so. And for better or for worse, I think this puts me in a spotlight and makes me vulnerable in a way because I'm on TV every day. But it also opens up a conversation. And I think that's where things start always. I'm, when people talk to me on the streets, I'm very open about why I wear a hijab. When I started wearing it, what I believe in, people have brought up the protests in Iran and women who are being jailed for taking it off. And my sentiments and my values stand the same. I believe in a woman's choice to wear it and also to not wear it. Yeah. And I think that that is the crux of the idea in Islam also. And But again, a lot of different people practice their religions in a lot of different ways. So that's that's kind of my stance on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, talk about the time in which this is happening in, in a sort of broader context. I mean, think about the things that this administration is saying about uh, people who share your religious beliefs. Think about what they're saying about immigrants. Uh, this is a big step to take, given that context, I feel as well, that that uh, perhaps you're, um, you're, you're going to be more under the microscope, I guess, for doing what you're doing because of some of the rhetoric that's coming out of this administration in and out of Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, perhaps. I think that um, as a journalist, whether or not, it doesn't matter what administration you're under, your job is the same. You're mm-hmm. going to ask the same questions. You're going to find out the same answers. And that doesn't change whether I would be the first so-and-so under the Obama administration or the Trump administration. I think it, it is pretty insane that it's happening now. Um, and it's been kind of a wild ride to kind of see how, you know, just a a pretty crazy election cycle and everything Mm -hmm. like that, everything tied to it. So I think it's been really interesting for any journalist. Um, and I think that there's a lot of things though that are happening that are crossing barriers. I mean, we have Ava DuVernay casting, um, black actors as leads in so many different movies mm-hmm. and breaking barriers in the box office as a, you know, a black woman who is directing. And I think that even in the Oscars, we're breaking barriers with minorities. So I think it's a really cool time. And I don't think that one aspect of America defines the other necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is uh, something about what you're doing that stands out from what most of our experiences are. I mean, the idea that you might have to explain your religious beliefs to a stranger on the street mm-hmm. because of the way that they, because they see you and, and react to it. I mean, that's just not, that's not something that most of us have to have to contend with.
1: I guess that's true. <laughs> I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, mm. you're right. Um, nobody, you know, my coworkers, fellow MMJs, they don't go on the street having to explain Christianity to people. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, I take it with the job, and honestly, I don't think it's... It hasn't shocked me because it's what I'm used to. My parents have always raised me to be able to do whatever I wanted despite wearing a headscarf. They Mm -hmm. never thought that it should be a barrier to anything, so I joined a sorority at Loyola University, and I was the only one who looked like me Mm -hmm. in the entire Greek life on campus, but I went with it. I answered a lot of questions about my religion at that time, too. I studied abroad in my hijab. I, you know, scuba dived, and, you know, I did all these things that I never thought should be a problem, and I think that's also part of why I'm so okay with being in these situations and this particular situation.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm also curious about the reaction from other Muslims. Have you heard from people uh, about about this decision, about this sort of barrier that you've broken?
1: Yeah, it's um, amazing. It's Sometimes, you know, day-to-day, and you probably know about this, you go into work, you kind of set out your day, what am I going to do for today, and it's just, a, you know, the ins and outs of work. And then I get out of work sometimes, and I read these messages from people around the world, and then it dawns on me, and it hits me again, and it's kind of overwhelming, um, the response, and frankly, the responsibility, it feels like, a lot of times. Um one reporter who was doing a story about me for Voice of America actually, uh, I almost cried right there because mm-hmm. he he posed a question to me. He said, "Listen, this is going to be trans. This video is going to be translated into dozens of different languages around the world. There's going to be a little girl in Afghanistan watching mm-hmm. you and looking up to you. What would you tell her? There's going to be thousands of girls like that around the world, and I just I was like dumbfounded." Wow because I never thought of it like that. But he's right. Um, and so the reaction has been amazing. And I mean, got messages from women in Turkey, men even here in Iowa who have families and daughters that want me, they want me to meet. Um, London, Eastern Europe, Sweden, Canada, our neighbors up north, and then Mexico, neighbors in the south. Um, so it's been really amazing. And I try to I try to keep everything out there and be as transparent as possible. I post the positive messages. I also leave the negative ones out there, and that's on purpose, because I think it's important for people to see that, A, there are negative messages, and, B, that the positive outweigh the negative.
0: That there is far more negative.
1: Exactly.
0: Thanks to Tahara Rahman, reporter and producer for WHBF TV in Rock Island, Illinois the first full-time TV reporter to wear a hijab on air. Coming up, we're going to continue talking about representation in media from author and comic book writer Saladin Ahmed.